Will Church, good morning, good morning. Um, just amazing worship, and it's good to see a lot of you guys after spring break. And um, last week, there's a lot more room to move around and freedom of expression of worship. And so, hey, you should have been here last Sunday. It was awesome. But today, it was just as good, and uh, really thankful to be with you guys this morning. Um, we're going to wrap up our series on radiance, radiance of his glory this morning. But before we do, I just want to make one more mention of an announcement. If you are a female in the room, raise your hand. All right, be proud now. Be proud. Keep it up. Come on. I know women. it was Women's Month. Was that this month? Last month? Last month. Every month, John says, smart man. He's been married more than a decade. Very wise. Golly, should have, should have known that. Man, God. Well, if you are a woman, one, we want to say, we're so glad you're here. But two, we want you to know that on April 29th and 30th, we have a women's retreat for you, all right? So now, <clears throat> um, I believe that we are doing this for our family zone, young adult zone, and seniors, juniors and seniors in college. So hey, Upperclassmen, ladies, you're invited. Lowerclassmen, you'll get your chance to stay around Antioch one more year, okay? But this is what's happening. is that Piney Woods, April 29th and 30th. We would love for you to come. We're telling you a month in advance so that whatever you had plans for, you can graciously back out of them and cancel, and you can go to this. It's going to be incredible. Um, we would love for our women in our church to be a part of it. Uh, if there's other women you want to come, if it's friends, if it's sisters, if it's aunts, if it's grandmas, say, hey, come on. It's going to be a powerful time of worship and teaching and fellowship and hanging out with some of the ladies. It's going to be a one-night stay at Piney Woods. We'd love for you to sign up. Go ahead and do that. All right. Well, <clears throat> we are wrapping up our series on the radiance of his glory. And this whole series, we've been highlighting this passage found in Hebrews chapter one, verse three, it says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Speaking of Jesus. And what's interesting is this word radiance is only used in the New Testament in this instance, which is interesting, right? Now, what is radiance, right? We may have shared this before, but radiance is a light flashing forth, like a burst of light, someone who literally shines. And in this sense, it is talking about Jesus. His eternal light breaks through all the darkness. And for us today, it breaks through all the darkness that many times keeps people in bondage, keeps people restrained, keeps them in the dark. We all know that when the big freeze happened last February, thank you, it didn't happen this February, right? So remember the great COVID freeze or frozen, what, what do we call it? Frovid? Snowvid. God, I just made something up. Obviously, I didn't use the word a lot, but people kept talking about Snowvid. I just said, I don't know, I thought it was awesome. It's cold. We don't have to go to work, get to play games. But during that time, right, a lot of people lost power. Who lost power? Raise your hand. All right, you lost power. Pipes froze. It's crazy. All right, but the power went out, and at nighttime when the power was out, what did you do to actually play and hang out and do stuff, right? You lit a candle. You had a flashlight. Right. One little light, right? You know the song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Okay, now, 
Pause there. This little light of mine. Why did we learn that song as a child? Because we want to understand as a child with childlike faith that guess what? One light is enough. It is enough to shine through the darkness. Children believe that. As we get older, though, we start to say, hey, I don't know, man. We need like 100 lights around here. No, that's not enough. The darkness is too, the darkness is looming all around. The light can't push it back. You see, children don't have that level of fear as adults do. They just take it on. They're like, you tell a child, this is what God says. They're like, let's do it. Like if I brought the kids in here right now, and I said, this person right here has a sickness, and we want to pray for him, they're going to come in and say, well, absolutely. Yeah, he can be healed. Half of us in this room are like, I don't know about that. I mean, what about my faith? What about if I don't believe enough? Well, what if God wants to heal? What if this is part of their testing and their journey? Should I pray for them? Is this okay? What if, am I going against God's will? But Well, I prayed before and it hasn't happened and I don't want to be discouraged again. That's adults. That's so why Jesus over and over said, hey, the kingdom's pretty simple. Childlike faith. That's why whenever Jesus talked about the kingdom, what do he do? Simple parables that are so simple we try to overcomplicate them. Right? It's about sheep. It's about lost coins. It's about, and we're like, man, let's dig into that. It's like, well, it's actually pretty simple. You're, you're trying to find something that's not there, right? And so today I want to make it very simple. The radiance of his glory, part of that, and for us as a church, we're doing this series because our vision statement communicates we want to be a church, a radiant church, a church ready to go, ready to present ourselves to Jesus Christ, ready for his return. And you know what? To be a radiant church, a church that bursts through with light, a light flashing, that wherever you go into your workplace tomorrow, into your class tomorrow, you could have 100 students in your class. You're the one person that's following Jesus Christ, that's filled with the Spirit of God, that's full of light. You could be the one person in that class and that's enough. It's enough. You could be the one person at your fire station, at the police station, at your office, the one person at your restaurant, the one person in that environment, at that party, at that wedding. Everyone else is getting drunk and blitzed, and they're crazy, and they're cursing, and the music's trashy, and you're like, wow, I'm just at this wedding because it's a family thing, and everyone else is broken and lost, and you walk in there, one light, one conversation's enough. But if you don't believe that, you will never Get it. You'll never get what Jesus really intended for you, which wasn't just for you to be saved. It was that you would then go and live your life and ooze out Jesus and shine his light. It's not just about a people I sit on a hill. It's that, it's that you're a light that shines wherever you go. In the valleys, in the mountains, in a house, down the alley, wherever you go, that your light is shining. So I don't know if you've been part of this series with us or not, but my heart for us today, if you don't hear anything else, is that it is within you because you have the radiance of his glory, Jesus Christ in you. You're the spirit of God in you. And that's enough to push back the darkness. It's enough to bring the light of the gospel. It's enough to help people see. So let's talk about an aspect of this radiance and an aspect of what Jesus came on earth to do to bring, which was this word we all love. It starts with an R, 
repentance. Right? I'm seeing shirt designs everywhere. Just, no, I haven't seen that. People aren't wearing that, right? Usually we think, when you think of the word repentance, right? You may think of a certain person on a street corner yelling, you know, repent, you evildoers. I remember when I was in college, um, <clears throat> I went up to Northgate a few times from friends, and we're up there, and, and, uh, and there would be someone there pretty consistently repent of your sins. The kingdom of God is here. And it wasn't, it wasn't the like, it wasn't the like, Hey, Jesus came, he died for you. Like repent, you can change your life. Right. It was like megaphone, vicious, you know, a little bit of foam coming and just screaming and yelling. And you're like, wow, dude, I, I'm all about it. I'm about people repenting. I've been absolutely, but like, I don't know. They might be throwing stones at you right now. Because you're not doing it with love and joy in your heart. You can be truthful, but have the joy, right? You can also share truth and be really mean about it. Jesus modeled for us how to share truth and love all the time. And his tone did change at times. Oh, man, but the heart, the spirit was there, right? He is our leader. He's the one showing us how to do it. So let's talk about repentance for a minute. And I just want you to wash away all the bad vibes you have about repentance. Just wash it away. Okay, whatever's in your mind or whatever, because it's really good. It's actually earth-shattering in world history. It really is. The cause of repentance is unbelievable. Okay, so let me help you out here. The word repentance in the Bible literally means the act of changing one's mind. The act of changing one's mind. True biblical repentance goes beyond remorse, regret, or feeling bad about one's sins, okay? It goes beyond that. Um, it involves more than just merely turning away from sin, right? So to truly repent, it's not just, hey, I'm sorry that I did this, right? I have children, and this is something we are constantly training our children on, right? So if someone does something wrong to someone else, we'll teach them and say, hey, you need to say you're sorry, but um, if a child, as they get trained to just say, okay, I'm sorry, right? And then 10 minutes later, they go back and do the same thing. Is that true repentance? No, that's called saying I'm sorry, right? But our definition, the act of changing one's mind, and not just their mind, but their actions. Now, in the Old Testament, repentance, or the wholehearted turning to God, is a recurring theme that the prophets over and over mention, right? You read the Old Testament, there's a lot of repent in there. There's actually a whole lot more than the New Testament. It's just over and over and over. It's repent, and God was calling the people to repent. But oftentimes, we see repentance demonstrated through certain rituals in the Old Testament, like such as fasting or wearing sackcloth, which we don't do much anymore, um, sitting in ashes, wailing, right? Liturgical laments that express strong sorrow, for sin, that repentance is associated with these rituals that said, hey, I am going to do a public display of myself to show you how terrible I've been or what I am sorry for. But they were supposed to be accompanied with authentic repentance, like an actual change. But unfortunately, a lot of times they didn't. It was a public display and it was short-lived. It was short-lived because really the intention was repent from your ways 
turn towards God, obey him and follow him. And there are seasons in the Old Testament, and even the story of Israel, where they did. They turned back to God. Things went well. Things were fruitful. I always say, if you want a really uh, successful, happy, joyful life, just obey God. That's it, right? I, I'm not saying an easy life, right? The road is narrow. It is hard. But man, there's joy. But obedience is what produces an incredible life. Disobedience produces dysfunction and discouragement and a whole load of other things, right? So repentance, it's a good thing. But the Old Testament, many times people didn't get the full meal on it, right? They just ordered the burger without the fries and the drink. They just got part of it, right? So they were like, hey, I am so sorry. This is terrible. But then they kept worshiping false idols. They kept doing wicked and evil things. And just like any of us, to have any friend in our lives that says, hey, I'm sorry, but continues to repeat the same thing, eventually you stop believing them. You stop even listening. Eventually they say, I'm sorry, and they say, that's nice, but I don't believe you until you've actually proven to me that you're truly sorry. Because truly sorry means you're truly willing to change. Make sense? This happens in marriage all the time. This, this is actually probably most of marriage counseling. I'm not, a, I'm not a marriage counselor, but if you were, you could probably vouch for me. A lot of it has to do with hurting one another and not willing to change and blaming each other, all that kind of stuff, right? But the Bible gives us the way out of having a dysfunctional marriage. Repent to each other. I mean, golly, you could, you could just start, you, you, could put, you could put repent to each other above the coffee maker and just wake up, make your coffee. Oh, man. So good. Repent each other. Okay. Lord, as I'm making this beautiful espresso or Keurig or pour over, or whatever you guys do now, Chemex or I don't know all the stuff. So I'm making this beautiful cup of coffee, Lord. What do I need to repent of? Oh, yeah. Last night I was pretty angry. Oh, yep. I popped off at her. Oh, yep. Yelled at the kids. Shouldn't have done that. Lord, oh, yeah. I wasn't completely honest. The fish was not this big, was it? It was actually just this big. Right? I guarantee you, you will have something to repent for every morning. Really. You know, I'm, I'm listening to this book on Martin Luther and um, Protestant Reformation, and um, it's going through his life. It's really fascinating. And actually, in his life, before his whole real conversion to Jesus and the whole Protestant Reformation, you know, he became a, a monk, right? If you know this, and, um, and he came in the monastery and um, he had, you know, in, within the Catholic church in that monastery, they, um, they would go to confession, right? Every day. And, um, and as I'm reading this book, it's crazy. They're writing these stories about him, but Martin Luther would literally go into the confession deal and he would spend six to eight hours confessing to where even the father of the priest would like fall asleep on him or just be like, Martin, it's, it's, we're done. Like you've done it all. And, and he was so dogged at getting everything out. Like, I mean, as, 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 as heroes of the faith go and people like, he was one of the most consistently 
tentative, repentant people I'm aware of. Like literally daily he's coming in. He's repenting for things and then, he's, and, he's, and, then he, and then he gets out of it and he's, and he's beating himself up because he forgot to repent about something. Or, or, he's, or if he goes in and he feels like he had a pretty good day, he's like, actually, no, there must be something off. There's too much pride in me. I must repent of something because I can't come here with nothing. Now, he had to work through his own process, right? But even him, he went to this place of trying to dig out and say, I want the cup so clean. What he didn't understand at the time is that actually Jesus comes and he cleanses you. It's not about how many single times you call every single thing out. It's about living a transformed life. He didn't get that till later on. But man, he was so determined to say, I don't want anything to happen without me coming clear before God with a clear conscience. That should be the kind of desire and spirit in us, not what can I hide, right? I mean, what can I leave out? And that's what we want to do, guys. Can I tell you, sin and the effects of it haven't changed since the Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve sin, and what do they do? Cover, hide. Sin makes all of us want to cover it up, cover up our shame, and hide from God. That's the bottom line. So what repentance does, it exposes it. And we come to God. Do you see the difference? That is what Jesus brought to us in the kingdom. So let me share a couple of passages here about Jesus, what he talks about, repentance. Luke chapter 5 29 through 32. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. Levi was a tax collector himself, and Jesus had come to his house to have a meal, and it says, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, this is great, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We've heard that before, but I, I want us to let it soak in for a minute. Jesus is explaining his ministry on earth. I came not to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. And this passage the righteous is saying people who are arrogant and prideful and think they need no saving. That's what he's talking about. Not in the good sense, in the bad sense. In the, they are self-righteous. They believe that they have it all figured out. But what he's saying is, no, I came for sick people. People that know they have a problem, right? Ireland just shared. They went to Northwest Arkansas. They shared with 14 people or 10 or 12 of them rejected, right? Just said, I don't need that. I would argue, sorry, there I would argue that they would fit the category of, hey, I'm good, man. I don't need God. I'm cool. Don't bother me with that. I ain't sick. I'm fine. Now, for someone, going to someone and say, hey, can I share this amazing story with you? Can I tell you about who Jesus really is? And they say, no, I'm good. It's tough to hear that because what do you want? You want them to receive the good news. You want them to hear that. You want them to be transformed in their heart and their mind. But guess what? When you're rejected, it's okay. 
Because they are not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. And Jesus said, I came to call the sick, the unrighteous. So can I just tell you, church, there will always be hungry people on planet Earth. There are. Sometimes, though, it's hard to find them. And sometimes, that's all you have. I've been on places on planet Earth where it seemed like every single person was desperate. Like, Jesus is it. We have nothing. I am in. Tell me what, where do I sign? I mean, you know, like, I'm talking, sometimes it is just revival is on. It's like, you don't even share the gospel correctly. Jesus loves you. He died a while ago. And it's like, I'm in. You're like, I didn't even finish. I mean, right? I love what they were sharing last week about in Poland. This guy dressed up in a unicorn outfit and he's just saying, Jesus loves you. He wants you to know him. And they're like, okay, great. I want to share. What, what can I do? Right? I'm telling you, when the person is ripe, man, they're ripe for repentance. It's there. So church, do not be discouraged because Jesus, our commander in chief, our leader, our king, our Messiah, our savior, he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And by the way, everyone's a sinner, but they just don't know it. So you don't have to sit there and convince them how they're a sinner or not. You can try that. Usually doesn't go very well. Because the Spirit of God is the one going to be convicting them of their sin. You can try to argue it all you want. That approach has worked sometimes. But honestly, you walk into the Spirit of God and say, Holy Spirit, I hope that what I share is well received. And if it's not, that's okay. I'm moving to the next person because I'm finding the hungry. I might go through 100 people to find the one. That's okay. But what if you stopped at five? That's what's tough. That's called perseverance in the faith, right? I mean, that is the Christian life. It's to persevere. It's to overcome. It's not, well, shoot, I'm only batting 200, right? Like, so, so like, my boys play baseball, okay? They're playing baseball right now, actually. And um, Major League Baseball, right, if you bat 300 plus, you're an incredible hitter. If you bat 400, you are, like, probably the best hitter in Major League Baseball on planet Earth, Okay? But 300 means three out of every 10 times you actually get a hit. So that's, but that's like incredible. So I just want to give you realistic expectations. In the kingdom of God, it's not baseball, but I'm just saying, you're not going to hit everyone. But you can call people to repentance with joy and love in your heart. And either they will or they won't. And it's okay. Jesus that's how he did ministry, but he also empowers his disciples. He says in Mark 6, 10 and 12, and he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. So Jesus empowering his disciples, hey guys, now we read this, we're like, man, that's kind of harsh. Are you sure that's Jesus? You know, no. The letters are in red. It's Jesus. Okay. Now he's talking about this. Shares this three or four different times in the New Testament when he sends them out two by two in twos. And he says, go and do this. So they went down and proclaimed that people should repent. 
Like, so I love it. Our college ministry said, we're going and we're gonna invite people. We're gonna pray for them. But ultimately we're saying, hey, you've gotta repent. If you wanna have a changed heart, you can't just like, hey, Jesus, I'll take you into my life. Sounds cool. No, no, no. It's repent of all the stuff so there's room for Jesus to come in. But if you hold on to all the darkness, that ain't gonna happen. But you have to say, no, come on in and shine in me and let's burst forth and now let's be a new creation in Christ. You can't have Jesus and keep playing around with the darkness. You do not see that anywhere in the Gospels. I am telling you, church, we are um, sometimes... We want to overthink it, but the simplicity is Jesus would heal someone and then say, go and sin no more. Repent of your sins. Change your ways. I don't know. We're not tracking with the next 50 years of their life, but it seems to me that the admonition, the ask is repent and let's turn. Now, there may be something you do the next day. Can I get my kids? Lord, repent, change. But if you are yelling at your kids every single day and never changing, you're not really repenting. You're like the Old Testament, putting on some sackcloth. How about some ashes? Ah, I'm sorry. Okay, let's go yell at the kids again. Do you know, I mean, but that's what you're doing. And, it, and after, after a while, it gets nauseating. It's like, oh my gosh, seen this act before. And then what happens is people stop trusting you, stop believing you, and grow numb to you. And all of a sudden, they're like, wow, you're a hypocrite. You say one thing and do another. I don't want that to be us. I want us to be real. Which means we got stuff we got to repent of. And it's not just like once when you get saved. There is an initial place for repenting and bringing Jesus in. But man, repentance should be our norm. Guys, I repent to my wife certainly every week sometimes daily, and my kids. Because that needs to be the norm. And it may be something big or small, but I want to expose it because I want to be more like Christ. I don't want to be like, well, I want to be more like him. And I've got to acknowledge, I've got work to do. There's a process of sanctification being worked out day by day from glory to glory. I've got to work it out. But it's going to take time. And so baby steps for Tyler. That's what I'm doing. Just like, I want to be more. At 80-something years old, I want to be more like Jesus, way more than I am now. <clears throat> that should be your goal. Your trajectory should be more like Christ, more like Christ. But repentance is a big, big part of that. You know, in Luke 15, Jesus shows us kind of what a repentant response should be like. He says, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you see that? Like, it's worth it to go through the 10 who reject you to find the one. It's worth it to go through the hundred to find the one. It's worth it to contend for family and friends that are broken and distant from God and who seem like they're so out of reach to say, no, Lord, I'm going to contend for them. We had, we had a, um, uh, an encounter night Thursday night, and it was great. We just got to worship, and God was speaking and go through stuff. And at the end, we just sensed that we need to really um, 
contend and pray for people that we believe were too far gone. They're too far gone. And so I said to everyone, I said, hey, let's think of somebody or a people group or person do you think it's just so out of reach? Like, it's almost impossible for God to get them. Their heart is so wicked and warped, and the things they've done, it just seems impossible. And we began, we began praying for them, and it got fervent. And I said, guys, pray, pray like this is the only prayer this person's ever going to get. You're the one standing in the gap between heaven and hell. And you're saying... I'm calling down heaven, the spirit of God, to get a hold of this person. So I started praying for Vladimir Putin. So I prayed for Thursday night, contending that God, I prayed for the leader of the Orthodox Church in Russia. I prayed for him that God would get a hold of these men's hearts and would change them and turn them. I want us to be people willing to believe for the hardest of hearts. And I say, God, you can get them. You can get them. I do not, I will not believe that there's anyone unreachable. If I believe that, I don't really believe that God is God. I believe he's a minor God, a sub-God. If there's someone you believe is not reachable, you, you, you don't have the level of faith yet. You don't understand his nature. It is all-encompassing. It is anyone, anywhere. It's not on us. We'll allow God to be God, but our job is to contend, to proclaim this message of repentance. I'm going to invite the band on up and have you guys stand as we close this morning because we're going to pray for some people here in just a minute. Um, but I, I want to share this, this last passage because um, I, I, I'd be missing something if I didn't talk about the reality is that repentance is coupled with the gospel. In Luke 24, Jesus reveals the gospel to his disciples and others. And this is this, this beautiful culmination of the ministry on earth and what he shares with them. And you can sense in this moment, just the veil was lifted, their eyes are open and it's wow. Like, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. He's now putting all the pieces together here in Luke 24. It says, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is Jesus saying, I have come to fulfill all these things. Everything you've written, everything I've done. Do you know what it's for? I'm fulfilling it. And it's not just for the Jews, for the Gentiles. It's not just for the Middle East. It's for all the world. It's for the nations. This is the central theme of why we are a people that are committed to planting churches, committing to doing missions, committed to sharing the gospel in our workplace, in this city, because we believe this is the mandate from Jesus. His mandate is for us to radiate, to shine, but we have to do it with the gospel, with the truth to say, there's only one way, it's through Jesus. There are no other ways. Over and over, whenever I go overseas, that you have to have the conversation of, Jesus says he's the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. 
We have to believe that. If you believe Jesus Christ is the only way, you have to go through him. And he says to repent, to change. So here's how we're going to end this morning. Um, I just want to invite some of our leaders up here real quick. Just some of our family, life group leaders, young adults, some college leaders. Just make your way up here on the sides real quick. And um, I just want to give us a chance this morning just to repent. <laughs> um, we can't talk about repentance and not do it ourselves. <laughs> it's like having a message on prayer and then we just, we don't pray. You guys would all look at me like, hey man, I missed it. So we're, we're going to repent. Um, you don't have to at all. Um, if you think you're good, that's great. It's when you and God. But Jesus said he came to call the sick. Um, and the, the lifestyle of a believer is to always be checking our hearts. We took communion earlier. Whenever I take communion, I always wait and I say, Lord, search my heart. Show me something that's off. Something I've said that wasn't true or a, a, an attitude or a heart posture or something I've done. Because I don't want to take this without coming clean with that. I want to confess that, Lord. I want to repent of that, turn and change. So you can come up here. These guys are available if you want to. Everything's confidential. You don't have to. You can just be in your seats. But I don't want you to leave here this morning. If there's something in your heart, God's saying just repent. You may need to repent to your roommate next to you or your spouse or your girlfriend. I don't know. Or just a stranger next to you say, can I just repent to you? Oh, you don't know me, but I got to share with somebody. Because we're not really about keeping secrets. We're not trying to hide from God or cover our sin. We're trying to expose it and draw near to him. So let me pray this morning. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you have gotten a hold of many of our hearts. Lord, I just pray if there's anyone in this room this morning who has not given their heart to you, they would come forward and just say, hey, can you pray for me? I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want his forgiveness. I want him to cleanse me and wash me. I don't want to carry this burden, this yuck anymore. It's killing me. I need to be saved. I want to repent and turn and change, truly. If that's you this morning, come on up here. Tell someone, I need, I need Jesus. Lord, I pray for the rest of us just that we would not leave here harboring things or hiding things. Lord, we, we're a new creation, but we, we mess up. We step in mud, and we need you to wash us of it again. So Jesus, come this morning. Forgive us as we repent and draw near to you, we pray. In Jesus' name.